Um, my name is Jeremy Evans, and who are you? Mike Adams. <laughs> and uh, Mike, you're a molder mediator. I am. I and am. I'm all things mold. Yeah. Yeah. And you're proud of it, right? I am. I'm proud of being a molder mediator. <laughs> yeah, I didn't set out to do that in life, but I'm happy to help people. Yeah. No, there is some rewarding aspects to doing mold. And uh, today we've got a, a podcast prepared for our listeners. Um, you know, we we deal with a lot of mold. We do a lot of mold testing. Um, you know, it's it's funny when we, we, we actually did a podcast about mold testing, interpreting mold test results. Yeah. And, you know, it is funny how we we send customers reports and then we get all kinds of questions. Right. Sometimes there's panic when there shouldn't be. Sometimes there's not enough panic. Sometimes there's all of us are giving way too much credence to the test itself. Yeah. Both ways. Sometimes it comes back like it doesn't show much mold at all. Well, that's not necessarily a a sign that everything all is well in the home. Yeah. And then sometimes they come back really really bad, which I mean that usually is a sign of Things are not good in the home, but but there's yeah. overreaction. Every mold affects every person differently. Yeah. Um, because if whether it be your DNA or your genetic makeup, um, different molds put out different mycotoxins. So it's it really is a moving target. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually right after that podcast we talked about maybe we should at some point do a podcast where we go a little more in depth on some of these molds that we commonly see we're not I don't want to do like a huge lecture on any of these but maybe just take a minute or two on each of the molds that we see most commonly on these tests and just see most commonly in as we take air tests yeah. just to give a the listener or the the student of mold a little bit of background about each of these now every lab kind of does a little bit measures picks different molds that they want to measure to a degree i'd say there's i'd say there's five molds that are really really common really standard standard yeah, maybe five to eight yeah five to eight and then yeah. then there's a few that are a little more you know second tier and then there's a bunch that are just the other hundred thousand are lumped right right <laughs> and, and also recognize while we're talking about this i want to bring out this this is an important point is that most tests, 90% of the tests that are being ran in the country are non-viable, mm -hmm. right? So the lab is not growing anything. They're looking at them based on, I used to say for years, size, shape, and color, but uh, not even color so much, size and shape. And they're trying to discern what type of mold it is from that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's Sometimes it's kind of a crapshoot. Sometimes it's subjective. Yes, is what very you're subjective, saying. yeah. Yeah. So I think I'd, we we use a we use a lab, a pretty a pretty well known lab um, throughout the, the, that's based or that's has labs all over the world, and I, we're going to use theirs as a template. I think we'll just go over like you said maybe eight or so different molds. I'm going to skip um, aerobicidium because I've actually never of all them. Have you ever seen aerobicidium come up on a test? I don't think so. I don't think I have no, either. No. no. And it's on. It comes standard on our air tests. I've never seen it, so I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. All <laughs> right. I don't think it's that important. 
Um, but and these are in alphabetical order, by the way. Okay. So we've got Aerobasidium, Basidiospores, Catomium, Cladosporium, Fusarium, Penicillium aspergillus, Stachybotrys, Trichoderma, and Eulocladium. So Basidiospores, I see that all the time. Yeah. yeah I, when I see Basidiospores, my first thought is house plants. Yeah. And pod plants and yeah. dirt. Yeah. Basidiospores love dirt. Yeah, they love dirt. And I don't even know if, if um, you know, I did some research on it before we did this podcast. Yeah. I don't know if there's a ton to say other than what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it grows on dirt. It's a common outdoor mold. Um, I'll throw in a couple more. Gardens, woodlands. Wood is a very common. Yeah. It's a very so- commonly yeah. associated with wood, soil, plant, um, fruit rot. Um, yeah. On the indoors, it can get into appliances, carpets. Walls, plywood, glue, sinks, and uh, herbs, again, which is a plant, spices, mm-hmm. cereals. Um, it's very ubiquitous. I mean, this thing is everywhere. I'd say not every test pulls up basidiospores indoor and out, but I bet almost, yeah. Like 90 something yeah. percent of them. Yeah, it's You're going to get some of that. So, And it's not a particularly dangerous mold. Yeah. It, as, I, as I researched, it doesn't. It's not known to release mycotoxins. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually. It's funny. They'll never say no for sure. Basidiospores does not release right. mycotoxins. They'll <laughs> say it's not known to release mycotoxins. So it's known as a benign mold in that regard. But of course, it has allergenic properties. Sure. I don't know if there's any mold that doesn't have the potential right. to produce allergen aller, allergenic responses. So. Um, Again, if you see that on a test, it's not ultra worrisome unless, you know, if it's just a few, maybe a few spores they caught. But if it gets high, then it can start to I think with any mold, if it gets really high, something's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, basidiospores, that's uh, the first one on the test. Um, The next one was catomium. Catomium. So, let me... Pull up ketomium, Mike. You you know you know about ketomium. You've seen that I one do. before. Yeah, um, I learned this years years ago that um, a, a good amount of cases where we do a home inspection and a home test, and ketomium um, pops up on the indoor test. Um, um, well, a good portion of the time, there is somebody really really sick in the home. Mm-hmm. It's it's a nasty mold. It really is. It's terrible. Yeah, and just so you know, if you if you're not visualizing, ketomium spelled with C H C H A E, and the rest is very similar. But ketomium, it's uh, I've heard people refer to it as the other black mold. Right. And again, not not so much based on color, which we'll talk about maybe in a minute. Okay. Color's not so much important, but I think it's because it has it, it's very toxic. Very toxic. Yeah. I mean, it can. It can really cause havoc on people's health. Um, and when, we, when I say toxic, uh, when we say toxic, we're talking like neurological issues, mm-hmm. um, com- compromised immune system issues. Um, it it really does a number on your on your body. Yeah, you even told me was it yesterday? You're like, you know, Stachybotrys black, aka black mold, toxic mold, gets all the attention for for things. But in your experience. Did you say ketomium may wreak more havoc? I, from my experience, I would say it does. Yeah. On health. Yeah. Even more than black mold, huh? 
Yeah, oh, I mean, whatever. The stacky you, yeah. Dodgers. Yeah, even more than stacky. I think so. I Interesting. Really do. Yeah. Yeah, it produces a plethora of different mycotoxins. Um, Catoatrosin, I'm not going to do all these, but catochromines, chromins, ketosin, uh, ketomin, uh, and then I can see like four or five different, different other um, right. toxins that those produce. And I'm actually going to read this or read a few things about uh, ketomin. I mean, it loves, it's, it's usually associated with a water damage issue. Mm-hmm. Like different molds like to feed on different things, basidiospores on the wood and plants. Yeah. Ketomium, what does it like to feed on? It likes, um, what is the word? Um, well, paper and sheetrock. Um, yeah, cellulose material. Yeah, cellulose, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically what our houses are built of. Right. <laughs> yeah, it loves it loves cellulose, so uh, as well as like house dust, wallpaper, cardboard, um, and, and here's an interesting thing. Um, so ketomium's development, I guess, apparently is very fast. Um, it just takes a couple weeks and it can really just take over an area. And the spores are, are cemented together by mucilage and they're trapped by hairs. Um, and so not very many of them become airborne. Right. And, uh, um, until the mold is completely dried out. So when it's dried out or it gets disturbed or stressed or stressed, mm, right. it'll, it'll spore out. Um, but it's very uncommon to see, um, you know, really high spore counts of ketonium. I think right. we talked about that. Yeah. Once in before. fact, um, I've taught, um, techs across the country when I work with them that if you see ketonium on a test, um, before the house has been treated, if you see any ketomium, you probably have a significant issue somewhere in that house because they don't want to go airborne very yeah. badly. And you've said before they're kind of they're kind of <coughs> housed in this mycelium, which yeah. is that hairy thing. Maybe or, I yeah. If you had, um, my research from years ago, and I've almost forgotten more than I can remember, but it seems that they're in what they call a parathecium. Oh, parathecium. Yeah, yeah. it's That's almost right. like in, in my mind, I'm picturing like a pea pod. And you got the peas in there. Um, it's just kind of trapped in that little, in that little organism, and it th- they don't want to release until they're stressed. Once they're stressed, mm-hmm. like any other mold, when it gets stressed, it's trying to survive its own species, so it sends spores out everywhere. Yeah. To uh, to try to survive. Yeah. So ketomium, that's that's one of the zero tolerance that's molds. That's a bad one. Yeah. Just if you see one, probably needs right a lot more. That's one to keep keep your eyes out for. Um, next in our alphabetical chain here, cladosporium. Um, again, a very common mold. Very common. So <clears throat> 90 plus percent, you're going to see basidiospores. How often do you see cladosporium? Like good 80%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right up there. Yeah. Very common. Uh, pretty much every outdoor test, you're going to get it. Yeah. Um, many indoor pretty much any indoor test you're going to get some cladosporium so again there's just a few on your indoor test it's probably just outdoor air right but um but if you start to get up to five and ten fifteen twenty cladosporium um that can be an issue yeah i i want to point out something why we're talking about different molds and the counts that you see on on reports yeah it's really important to understand that spores themselves are going to come and go in your home 
that's just part of life. Um, you go yeah. outside, you're breathing spores. You go inside, hopefully your air is as good as your outside air. You're going to be breathing spores. Where you get into danger in homes is when you have an accumulation of mold to where it is established somewhere or multiple places in the home, and it's growing, and sometimes it spores, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but as it grows, it emits mycotoxins. That's the real issue. It's not. It's almost like when we do an air quality test, we're testing to see if anything's in the air, but that's really not the issue so much. Yeah. It's the mycotoxins and the established mold in these little pockets throughout the house are more the concern than the actual airborne spores. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so there, there, this is just a random fact about Cladosporium. Um Cladosporium is the lar a large genus. It has a, over 700 varieties. So it's very, very p prevalent. And then I, uh, here's kind of an interesting thing is going, talking about health effects. Yeah. Again, this is another one that's not known to produce mycotoxins. They don't know yet, but, but they suspect no. Um, however, it can cause, I've actually ran into people who maybe their doctor said, oh, cladosporium mm. is my thing. I need to yeah. stay away from it. Infants are especially sensitive to cladosporium allergens. A skin test study observed the allergic reaction of the skin in 42% of children under the age of four. From ketomium? Uh, cladosporium. Or cl I'm sorry, cladosporium. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So just an allergenic yeah. response to the skin. Yeah. So kind of interesting. It, it's one of those that uh, you're, you're going to see it on every test, and, and uh, I don't think it's a huge deal, but unless it gets up a little bit higher. Right. So right. that's catomium, or I mean cladosporium. Now you got me saying catomium instead of cladosporium. In the alphabetical line here, now we come to fusarium. Um, what comes to your mind when you think fusarium? I think I think the, a lot of them are areas, but few seriums. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I could come up with. Yeah, that's very good. That's yeah. that's about right because <laughs> that's another one I don't see very often. No, we don't. Yeah, few um, few seriums. <laughs> Just a few. Just a few seriums. cases. Yeah, yeah. I I've seen it maybe a few times, and uh, I don't know about you, but this one as well as trichoderma. Whenever I see fusarium, I'm usually seeing some other stuff going on. Yeah. Like I'm seeing some stachy and some catomium and right. and uh, some other things mixed in there with fusarium. Most of the research about fusarium honestly talks about wheat and corn mm -hmm. and different crops. Right. Like fusarium is a very yeah. uh, crop-oriented mold. It likes to... Farmers have a heyday, a horrible time with this, trying to get it off their crops. Not a heyday. Yeah. No pun, in, no pun intended. <laughs> or they do have yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> yeah, and there's, you know, if you Google fusarium disease, you, it'll go into all kinds of, that's a, a plant disease that destroys crops and things. But right. then this one also, known. this one's known to be toxic. Um, it, can, it can cause havoc in people's health um, just by inhaling the spores. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember if the to if there's a name of the toxin. Let me. Not that it matters that much, but um, yeah, it looks like fusarium. If I remember right, can cause eye infections too. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. eye infections, skin and nail infections. Um, 
sinusitis, pneumonia, yeah. yeah, a lot of the arthritis, a lot of the stuff. So this is one we don't know a lot about it. And again, it's not ultra prevalent unless it's a severely water damaged place, from my from my understanding. And so I think it's under researched, but I bet. I bet it's wreaking havoc, you know, in, in, in ways we don't understand as well, is my guess. But if you have fusarium come up on a, on a test, I would, I would definitely be concerned. Um, okay, fusarium, next one. Let's talk about aspergillus. So, Mike, you, you, and this is on not just our lab, but every lab test re- or report that I've looked at, they always lump together penicillium aspergillus. Always. On a... Non-viable test. On a non-viable yeah. test, which so is the most words, common one. Yeah. So in other words, they're looking at, based on size and shape, they're trying to identify which which mold it is. Um, penicillium and aspergillus really show up as just kind of a kind of a speck mm. on that cassette, and so that's why they don't even try to differentiate differentiate the two. They can't differentiate them. They look too much alike, so they just put them on the same on the same line. So that. That's why they're together on an air test. Right, yeah. There's no, there's no like. No, they're not. They're not even like cousins or anything. They're just they, they can't tell the difference. It's 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 like a yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. They just have no clue what it, which one it is. So right. they just they yeah. lump it together. Now that's that's fine. I think that's fine, except for, you know, depending on. If it's penicillium and what kind, or aspergillus and what kind, that could mean something bad, right? Yeah, but I, I you know, I've given this speech a, a thousand times to people that, it, regardless of the type of mold, mm-hmm. you don't want to mess with it. So yeah. if if you feel like your home needs remediation, you need to get it remediated. I would never, I would never do so much research that I've decided, yes, I have an elevated mold load, but it looks like all the molds that I have are non-toxic so yeah. i think i'm okay that's yeah. a that's a bad train of thought yeah i really agree with that yeah i will say so on aspergillus there i think there's i can't remember how many actually let me look i think i might have it right here there are 40 so there are there are hundreds of different species of aspergillus mm-hmm. according to the cdc but only mm-hmm. 40 i shouldn't say only but 40 of them can affect the health of people of beings so that's one that's kind of deceiving because that actually penicillium aspergillus since they lump them together right. i see those pretty regularly yeah, too and you don't you don't think too much about them yeah it becomes like oh it's a common oh, yeah, mold and i see it on outdoor tests too yeah. pretty commonly right um and so i guess that's the danger you're like oh i saw it on the outdoor yeah but if there are several hundred aspergillus strains and then 40 of them can be toxic and cause problems. Well, what if, you know, what if oftentimes we run an outdoor test and an indoor test and compare the two using the outdoor as a baseline, which that's a whole other podcast in and of itself. But what if, for example, your outdoor account, you had, you know, 200 penicillium slash aspergillus, but those were the benign type. Yeah. You've got 190 inside your house, but they're the toxic type. Yeah. The average person would say, "Oh, I'm okay because I'm below, yeah, I'm below outdoor counts." Well, no, you're not. You've you got you got yourself a problem there. Yeah, you can be could be Aspergillus flavus. Yes, 
That's so the the big two, unless you have other ones you've heard of, but Aspergillus flavus and Aspergillus fumigata. So those are the ones you've those heard. Those are the two, yeah. Yeah. And they're yeah. they're associated with some of the big mycotoxins. Um in fact I think I think it's aflatoxin, yeah, B one and aflatoxin B two are are the mycotoxins yeah. that flavus produces. So and those are known to cause liver damage, cirrhosis. Um, immunosuppressive and carcinogenic you know, diseases and yeah, problems. It's bad. It's yeah, bad. It, it's not a good one. In fact, you know, you talked about ketomium yeah. and how stacky gets all the attention. Ketomium doesn't as much, but it can maybe cause more problems. I feel like even pen, or aspergillus, penicillium aspergillus, lumping them together, mm-hmm. I've seen that cause some serious issues too. Yeah. I've had people yeah. call me and say, my doctor said I've got a penicillium or aspergillus right. um, problem. We've had a lot of customers that have, I, I, I believe it's called aspergillosis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it gets in their lungs and yeah. re- just wreaks havoc on their health. Yeah, yeah. Um, aspergillus flavus is the second most common species to be identified in human infection, besides aspergillus fumigatus. So fumigatus, um, I'm trying to see if there's anything I wanted to note here about the fumigatus. Yeah, I mean, it just... It can cause pulmonary aspergillosis, Mm -hmm. skin and nail infections, um, yeah, all kinds of lung problems, yeah, fumigatus and and flavus. So, again, not necessarily that important to know unless your doctor is trying to test your mycotoxins or whatever, but that's aspergillus. Um, Penicillium. Again, wait, very, wait, wait. You're, most people say penicillin. That's what they make penicillin out of. So that's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Well, I, I agree that, yes, that is what they make penicillin out of, but that does not necessarily mean that you are safe in your home if you have penicillin. Yeah, like if you have penicillin in your home, maybe you don't need to take antibiotics, right. is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. not a vitamin. It's, a, it's an antibiotic. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, exactly. And it, this one's also pretty dang common. I mean, 300 different species, um, you know, and some of those are known to be fine as far as a to- from the toxic perspective. Yeah. Uh, these ones can be highly aller- allergenic, though. Um, yeah. We did a hotel years ago in Ogden, Utah, and it was a, it was a fairly uh, main hotel chain that you would recognize if I said who it was, but they started to remodel a, a section of their hotel, and they started to pull the wallpaper back, uh-huh. and it was just almost solid black behind that wallpaper, and we, we surmised that maybe, you know, the, the wallpaper where you you cut off the length and you soak it in water and then you pull it up? Yep. We just kind of surmised that they must have just had some really, really moldy water, and they just kept mm. going with it to be able to grow that much mold behind the the wallpaper. I mean, oh, we don't know yeah. that for sure, but that's that was my best guess. But oh, that wow. in that case, that was all uh, penicillium. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow, you get you guys tested it and it was yeah. penicillium. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So penicillium can produce citronin, which you've heard of, right? Mm-hmm. You told me that psychopiazonic mm-hmm. uh, acid, penicillic acid. It, p- it produces a number of different um, mycotoxins that right. can, depending on the kind. One of the famous. So you talked about penicillin. Mm-hmm. Penicillium um, chrysogenum. That is the strain or the species of penicillium that they uh, make penicillin, penicillin from. Yeah. yeah, and it uh, 
this is, I don't know if you knew this, it's kind of a random story, but the reason they named, the reason it got its name is because the guy who discovered it, he, he looked at it and kind of, he thought it looked like a paintbrush. Hmm. And penicillin is the word for paintbrush in Latin. I did not know that. Yeah, I did not know that That's either. It's a fun fact, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, it's a very fun fact. <laughs> um, and so, and I was telling you this before the show, Mike, it only, penicillium only produces um, penicillin when it's under stress. Yes. Kind of similar right. to when yeah. it's like sporing, I imagine. Yeah. If it's growing and thriving, there's it's no It's a completely different animal. That's not the right word, but it's a completely different animal. It's the same, it's the same with any kind of mold. Yeah. The, the healthy growing, not healthy, that's not the right word. The thriving yeah. growing mold is not sporing. Yeah. But it can be very, very dangerous and be emitting mycotoxins like crazy. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why that's why even air quality tests just seem so strange to me. Anyway, you know. Like yeah. We're we're testing to see if your mold is stressed in your house, basically. Yeah. We're not testing to see if, if or if you don't have mold because if it is growing happy mold, it's not gonna be stressing. Yeah. So really we're a positive test just shows us, yeah, you got some stressed out mold somewhere in your home. Yeah, and if it's growing and thriving, that's probably worse. Much worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly it is. Yeah. Other yeah. than other than I guess there there's a case for the more spores out, the more little pockets of mold you're creating, so it's getting worse and worse every day as opposed to staying yeah. fairly confined. No, it's true. But yeah, it's it's not it's not great. Yeah, so. it's not a not a great system. Yeah. Um, this is the last fun fact. Penicillium is 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 known as the cheese mold too. You know, people like who like Bria cheese, um, Stilton. Was it is it Rockfort? Is that how you pronounce? Rockfort. Rockfort. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm from uh, Utah. Camembert. These are some of these famous fancy cheeses. Yeah. Thank thank your penicillium mm. uh, for those. It helps with us. So I mean, again, if they're not. From what I understand, like the example of the uh, the penicillin, it's not it's not like you were ingesting the mold. They're excreting this penicillin that comes out when it's stressed, right? And they're isolating it, and yeah. they you know they make it yeah. good for human consumption. It's just not a good argument to say <laughs> penicillin's healthy, right? So I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about stachybotrys. We, we've okay. already kind of talked about it, yeah. but uh, I guess well, here's a question: They call it, you know. People say black mold, and there's really no such thing as black mold. But why do they call black mold stachybot? Uh, there was a the, the media grabbed onto the term black mold. Mm-hmm. I think clear back in the, maybe the early 2000s, there were a number of uh, like high-profile celebrities that had black mold in their home, and a lot of them actually passed away from it mm. or got really, really sick. Yeah. Um, and and that term just kind of kind of stuck. Yeah. Um, but stachy can be any number of colors depending on what it's feeding on yeah um, I would say stacky probably more commonly is greenish than it ever is black yeah I agree with that and I and I I even read somewhere that you know stacky can be you know off colors like pink and yeah. you know it, some of these other colors uh, by the way I, I saw a uh, you know these shows where they they flip homes yeah I saw I saw when there was a contractor working there and they started tearing out some tile in the bathroom and they found mold and mm-hmm. and the gentleman that was tearing out the tile said, "Well, it's not stacky, so that's good." 
You don't know that it's not stacky. <laughs> there's no way you can tell. Just by looking at by it. By looking, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. maybe I'll... Can I tangent right there, Mike? Yeah. There, You know, there, there's a pretty reputable organization, Hayward Score. Anyways, they're... They have some old mold experts on their team, and and there's asking expert expert questions thing. And I was reading over this just before, or just yesterday, and so they're asking about mold and color. And he says, while mold growth is often black, gray, or green, mm-hmm. it can be brown, purple, orange, pink, yellow, red, white, or any combination of those colors. And the same mold can be different colors in different conditions, and can even change over time. And I wish I could show you this picture, but. Um, the image on the left side shows a photo of, you know, fresh mold, and it's kind of yellow and white. Three days later, it's yeah. what color would you say that is? Purple and black. Yeah, yeah, that's almost black. Kind of yeah. purple and black. So, same mold, mm-hmm. just a matter of time. Yeah, um, can change that drastically just in a few days. Um, mold color does not tell you anything about toxicity. So. Oh, that co- the mold is black. It yeah. must be toxic, or right. yeah. it must be stachybotrys, right. or it, you know. Um, and then I like this little note there that this expert says you should pay attention to mold of any color. It's kind of what we've been saying. Like yeah. you shouldn't be like, oh, it's a, it, you know, it's, it's a, a white mold. It's a, it's a white mold. It's see, good. Yeah. I can think, because I can, you know, people see white mold and it just looks like an innocuous powder. I, I've actually had people say, that's mildew. Like, if it's white, that's mildew. Like, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That mildew is bull. I'm sorry. but Yeah. So, I think stacky, I think that's good to say. I mean, it, we've talked about this before, but it's famous for re, um, releasing trichothecene. Trichothecene, yeah. And then I... It, there's probably some more, but that's the one that's coming yeah. to my Trichothecene mind. Trichothecene is a one that we always talk about that is in, you know, these rogue nations that build, well, I guess uh, all nations make bio-warfare, war- but yeah. that's what they make nerve gas out of, is yeah. trichothecenes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Stachybotrys. And then we've got two two last um, molds, Trichoderma and Eulocladium. Again, I kind of lump these together with Fusarium. I don't see them very often. Yeah. And... Um, if I do, in my experience, they're typically lumped together with like some stacking and some other things. Um, have you had any have much experience with trichoderma? I don't see it much. <laughs> yeah, I don't see much either. Uh-huh. It makes me wonder why it's listed as one of the, it made the ten you know the cut right. for the top ten. But yeah, trichoderma. I mean, there's a couple hundred different species in the genus. Um, yeah. I, it's one of those where they isolate some of the genes in there and they actually use it to for some good in plant and uh, kind of fending off, you know, bacteria and other things for plants um, as far as I know. But in a health situation, actually this is an interesting fact. Um, they kind of, at least this article I read, mm-hmm. um, lumped together with causing similar effects to stachybotrys on the health. Again, I think it's less researched than Stacky and some of those more popular ones, but it's right. definitely, and actually I should look real quick. Mycotoxins, I think little's known about it, but I, I'm pretty sure it's a it's a worrisome mold if you see it on a test. Yeah. You know, go the other way. Right. And then the last one, Eulocladium. Uh, 
just a real fascinating mold that I don't know much about either. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, you know, this is something kind of interesting. Eulocladium, on some air tests, some companies will measure alternaria instead of right. eulocladium. Yeah. And, and they're actually, in many people's minds, interchangeable. It's like the same thing. Um, I think even if you look on Wikipedia, it says um, eulocladium species resembles um, alternaria, and they were once part of the same genus. And then um, who knows what happened? You know, there was a, a battle amongst these mycologists, mycologists, and, you know, they decided they weren't exactly the same or something, but very similar in how they operate and look, and they, and they produce mycotoxins. Yeah. So not good. Um, and so that's kind of a, a summary of, of kind of the major molds that we might see on air tests. Yeah, I, you know, I, I still go back to if, if you could really understand just how small amount of air those air tests pull in, mm-hmm. and then couple that with the idea that the lab, when they look at that little sticky cassette inside that, um, or that sticky slide inside that cassette, they're only looking at just a swath of that, yeah. right? And then they are trying to interpret based on size and shape, and sometimes color, but mostly size and shape, what type of mold that is. Um, it's, just, it's just really important not to put too much faith into, <laughs> into these tests. Yep. I, had, I did have a guy once tell me, it was, he was an indoor air hygienist, and uh, he said, Mike, you got, you got to realize why these tests were invented. They were invented so that a traditional mold remediator can go in and whatever space they just tore out or rebuilt and is contained, mm-hmm. they're going to run their air scrubbers in there and they want to be able to show that within that contained space, it's clean. Yeah. So these were basically built to show very, very little mold. Yeah. And, and, and that's what they're for. And, you know, we've kind of expanded it to use these to diagnose whether a house is healthy or not. And, and that can be kind of kind of problematic. Yeah. You know, it was just the other week um, a customer asked me for the equation that the lab used to calculate the per cubic meter squared or per, per cubic meter column. Right? Off of the raw count. Off of the raw count. Right. He's like, I, he's like I'm, I have a little bit of, you know, knowledge of, of microbiology and some yeah. of these things, and I've run the numbers, and I'm not coming up with the same thing the lab is. Yeah. Can you help me? And so I, I reached out to our lab representative, and I was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. So she sent me the equation, and this is you've, you've told me what you just said. You've told me before how they only are measuring a portion of the slide. Right. Well, that's what, was hanging, that's what was hanging up this guy's equation. He forgot to divide essentially by four because they're only measuring a fourth a of the fourth, slide. Yeah, a fourth swath of that. And I don't know if you've seen those air cassettes. They're actually really small. Yeah. So it's already small, and they're only picking a, a fourth of that slide right. and then they're using that to to you know give and you then, the numbers. And then couple that with the fact that if you have a unusually dusty site mm-hmm. that you're pulling that test in. Yeah. That dust is hitting that that sticky slide in there, making it so that some molds can't stick to it. Yeah. Um you, you do get you get a rating on the report that says background debris. Yeah. 
whenever I see a background debris of four or five, that usually tells me that it could be much worse than it is. Yeah. It, they just can't stick because it's full of background debris. Yeah. Can't stick or it's stuck and then it got covered with dirt. Yeah, they can't see it. Yeah. Either way, yeah. it's, it's not maybe the most accurate. Well, I think that's a good stopping point, Mike. Uh, yeah. I hope it was helpful. I actually learned some stuff going into some of these molds. But, again, I think I liked your conclusion that you gave kind of earlier, which is because uh, we don't get caught up in this too much either where it's like, oh, was, you know, I don't really care if it's Flavus or whatever. You've got a lot of mold in the house. Yeah. We need to get rid of it. Yeah. I, I don't want you to have allergenic problems or I don't want you to have toxic problems. I mean, I Either way, we don't want someone to have health problems. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's important to maybe have a cursory knowledge of some of this stuff, and especially those that are trying to heal from mold illness. It's helpful to sometimes know the specific thing that's causing them problems. And then, you know, as a remediator, we can keep that in mind and maybe, you know, in our after-testing look for, you know, that right. more pointedly than we otherwise would. Yeah. But other than that, I think it's just let's just – just, just get rid of your mold. Let's just take care of your mold. Yeah. <laughs> get it healthy. Right. So, anyways, thanks, uh, everyone, for joining us. And uh, uh, I guess that's all for yeah, me. That's all. that's all we have. Facebook um, Live and everyone else. Thanks, guys. Talk all to right. you later. Thanks.